and welcome to Get Mental. This is your host, Cecile Ahrens. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited today, as you can probably tell, because we will be talking about one of my favorite things to talk about, which is the power of laughter and humor. It's going to be a fun show, and you're going to see my silly, goofy side today. And also, it's just a nice change, I think, from all the heavy-duty stuff and serious stuff we've been talking about on this show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is, again, Cecile Ahrens, owner of Transcend Therapy. You can visit us at TranscendTherapyCA.com, TranscendTherapyCA.com, for more information about our practice. And you can also access our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor, where all our previous shows, including this one, are available for you to listen to. Yep, that's right, my friends. That's what we're talking about today. Why? Because there are many health benefits that laughter and humor can bring. Plus, it just feels darn good. Didn't that make you want to laugh just hearing that? That's what laughter can do. It's actually known to be contagious, and there are now they're trying they're able to map in the brain how and why that happens, which I think is so fascinating. So a field of science called psychoneuroimmunology, lots of big words there, this is where scientists study the mind-body connection and how certain processes uh, affect our immune systems. Well, that uh, field of science has found that laughter changes our brain chemistry. It can boost our immune system. It helps us release emotions like fear, anger, anxiety, and basically just improve the overall quality of our life and our health. There's now a lot of scientific research uh, to prove this. But it's not like we really needed scientific proof, right? I mean... We know this, that, you know, on an, on an innate level, we know how good laughter feels. We know how good it feels to be light, to be playful, to be silly, to be goofy. The research is really just cherry on top. And by the way, uh, before I forget, some of the information I'll be referencing today is from the University of Michigan, uofmhealth.org, which is a very credible source, Laughter Online University. I kid you not, that is the name of the organization. There's a lot of interesting research over the, on that site if you want to check it out. And the Zur Institute. So I truly believe laughter is the language of the soul. Babies laugh as early as three to four months old. It's one of the first and most natural things we do as humans. And it truly is one of the most awesome moments in a parent's life. A little sidetrack here. I sing and write songs, or I used to anyway, and 99% of the songs you hear on this show are from and by yours truly. Anyways, one of my favorite songs I wrote is called Giggle, Giggle, which I wrote for my son because that's how touched and moved I was by his laughter. And I think many parents and teachers can relate to that feeling. If you enjoy kids, you all know what I'm talking about. Speaking of children, did you know that children laugh about 300 times a day and adults only about 15 times a day. 
300 times a day. Isn't that just so magical? But it's really sad that apparently adults only laugh 15 times a day. Like, what happened? What happened to us? And there are probably many people who don't even laugh that much, probably laugh a lot less than that, especially if, you know, you're suffering from major depression or uh, anxiety or some other psychiatric condition, or you're just plain going through a rough time in life. So how can we cultivate laughter and a healthy sense of humor, especially if we're feeling sad, stressed, or overwhelmed? Well, by doing the things you find fun, being with people you enjoy. If you don't know what you enjoy or what fun is to you, you know, take, take yourself out somewhere and just start discovering that for yourself. And sometimes you have to be intentional about it. You have to seek it out. I know for, me, for myself, one of the things I do, it's a huge component of my self-care, is watching funny shows and stand-up comics. I love doing that. It just like cracks me up. <laughs> it's so fun and funny. So something like that you know, might be a good, uh, a good start for some of you who don't know how to cultivate this in your life. And, you know, at first you might start off thinking you're faking it or you're forcing yourself to laugh. But the truth is, once you find something funny, you are going to laugh. Just guaranteed. Parts of your brain will be activated and you are just going to laugh. It's such a wonderful thing to have happened to you. <laughs> There it is again, people. There's that laughter. So if you're just tuning in, this is Cecile Aarons with Get Mental, where we talk about all things mental health and deconstruct and destigmatize conversations about mental health. And we today are talking about the power of laughter and humor and the benefits of that to our mental health and our physical health, actually. So in my office, I intentionally sprinkle humor here and there. Of course, when appropriate, right? Timing is everything. So I do that to create separation between one's thoughts and narratives, that is the stories that people have about their situation, which we all have our, our own stories. So I do that to create separation between the story that one is having and what is actually happening. I find that it helps us take a step back from the absurdity and ridiculousness of our own thoughts right? Thoughts and beliefs have an emotional equivalent, which then create our reality. Have you ever heard the saying, perception is reality? Well, that's why. But when we learn to laugh with ourselves and not at ourselves, a very important distinction, then our narrative can change. We can shift from a place of identification. Identification is when we believe our thoughts without any investigation, without any questioning, even without evidence, right? You're, you've identified with your thoughts. We can move from that place to a place where we are more observers of our experience or we are witnessing what's happening to us, hopefully with compassion and curiosity so that we can finally make room for more self-love and self-acceptance. Rewind. I realize that that may be a lot to digest, so I will repeat the message I want to convey. 
when we laugh with ourselves instead of at ourselves, our story can change. It can change from this is so hard to maybe I can do this or I can try or from this is hopeless to maybe, maybe it's not that bad. Okay, I'm trying, I'm not trying to oversimplify our human suffering, as I know these feelings can feel so real to us, but really, you know, it's not like laughter will magically make it go away, but what it can do is it diminishes the hold that our thoughts and emotions can have on us right? Thoughts are that compelling. And when you don't examine it, you just start to believe it like it's a fact. So humor and laughter can help us loosen up and not take ourselves so seriously. So if you or someone you know is struggling with depressive thoughts, feelings of inadequacy, stress, anxiety, just uh, hopelessness, helplessness, constantly negative and irritable, call us. 619-823-1382 or email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com and we would be more than happy to support you and break unhealthy patterns of thinking. Remember, thoughts have an emotional equivalent. Thoughts are powerful. So make sure you keep your thoughts in check and laughter can help you do that. So other things research has found to be true about laughter is that the funnier the content, the more blood flow to our brain, which is always a good thing. It can have an instant relaxation effect. It improves brain functioning and protects our heart. Isn't that great? Increases oxygen in our blood. And here's a really awesome fact. Laughter increases the killer cells. These are cells that destroy tumors and viruses in our bodies. It increases killer cells. It increases disease-fighting proteins in the body. And um, it also increases T cells. And T cells are critical to, our, to healthy immune functioning. So all of that just from laughter, from laughing, from being silly, from laughing out loud. So more specific to mental health, Um, It can reduce feelings of stress, depression, anxiety. It can elevate our mood, increase our level of energy. It can decrease social anxiety, right? Just think about like an awkward social situation where maybe you started off feeling nervous and you walk in there and somebody cracks a joke or maybe you crack a joke and it just like loosens everybody up and all of a sudden you just feel less anxious. You feel more relaxed. It can facilitate and often facilitates social bonding and intimacy, right? It helps relationships get closer and stronger. It can foster, in my opinion, self-acceptance and self-love because you're not taking yourself so seriously. And I think another interesting fact is it stimulates, get, get this guys, it stimulates both sides of the brain, which is known to be really helpful in uh, facilitating clarity, creativity, and better problem solving. I think that is amazing. And the reason I, um, I, th- I find that really fascinating and um, relieving is because 
I do this treatment called EMDR, and I've talked about that here before. It stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And EMDR is um, a trauma-specific intervention, but we also use it to, you know, help people with unpleasant emotions and triggers, et cetera. But what it does is it actually stimulates both sides of the brain. That's a big premise of EMDR. And we, we know from that work that it does help people heal and recover and put their experiences in its proper perspective and integrate that, that trauma or, or uh, you know, horrific, painful memory. Um, and so there is something about stimulating both sides of the brain that really, really helps us as human beings. So laughter can do that, right? That's really cool. You don't have to be, you know, in, in an office with me per se, uh, for you to be able to do that. Um, so clients in my practice who have a healthy sense of humor and, you know, have access to that laughter part of themselves, I find that they tend to recover quicker and bounce back from tough times a lot sooner and with far less complications. They just don't seem to get stuck for too long. By the way, did you know there is an activity or practice called laughter yoga. I kid you not. Laughter yoga, guys. I don't know if I'm quite ready for something like that, but it sounds very interesting. What it is is it's a group of people who get together physically or digitally, and basically they just laugh for no reason. I mean, they, they just, you know, plug in or walk in and people are laughing some are giggling, some are laughing out loud. I actually listened to it um, over the weekend just to kind of see what it was like and <laughs> just laughing about it. I mean, just thinking about it makes me laugh. It was, it was contagious. And laughter actually is known to be contagious. I'm going to talk about that in a, in a few minutes. So imagine, right, walking into a room where people are giggling and laughing. There's no way you won't end up laughing yourself. Which brings me to my next point. Laughter, especially roaring laughter, is apparently more contagious than a cough, a, sn a sniffle, or a sneeze. It's more contagious than, than the cough virus. Isn't that fascinating? So cool. This is what science is now able to tell us. These are things, you know, we know about laughter. I mean, we don't know that it's that powerful, but, you know, we innately know that how good it feels and how good it can be for us, right? But now science is really stra uh, starting to track this in a real way. Can we play that song one more time, please? Contagious, right? Ah, oh, that song just lifts my mood. Hope you all are having fun with me here today. I think laughter, like music, are such powerful mediums in transforming our souls. Like I said, there's just a certain magic to, about it. As Mark Twain said, when you laugh, 
your mind and body and spirit change. When you laugh, your mind and body and spirit change. And don't we all know that to be true? So that song that we just played is called Play. That's the title of the song. And I thought it would um, be the perfect musical complement to today's topic. Also because, side note, you know, this is a self-funded uh, show and we can't afford to play other artists on the show at this time, right? So I'm glad that I have my own music. Anyway, I chose the song Play because I truly, truly believe laughter and a, and a healthy sense of humor is the adult version of play. We all started off innocent, think about it, silly, fun little creatures. Then somewhere along the way, for reasons that may not be entirely our fault, we ended up losing that sense of fun and play. And we just, you know, learned to take ourselves and each other way too seriously. We need more laughter, everybody. Imagine, I had this thought the other day, imagine if our political leaders on Capitol Hill started their day with intentional laughter, right? Say, you know, um, they, they, had, they hired a comic to, to do like a skit for 10, 15 minutes, right? Monday to Friday, each morning, before they start tackling the serious issues of the day. Or they watch something funny, you know? Maybe, just maybe, that will help them loosen up a little, which will give them, as the research says, access to that part of their brain that is clear, calm, and creative, right? And help them problem solve effectively. God knows we need a lot of that in our country today. I think that would be a very interesting experiment. Of course, it's not going to happen, partly because I think we are, you know, just not ready to take the research on laughter and humor that seriously. That's the irony, right? Now there's all this research showing the benefits of it, but, you know, even a lot of um, people in, in, in academia uh, are not taking it very seriously. It's almost like they, you know, think that, oh, you know, if I, if I did research on laughter or a show on laughter, that's just, that's just, that's not very academic. That's, that's the irony of it all. Sometimes it's not that complicated. So I'm reminded by a story I heard from a psychiatrist in one of my trainings many years ago, where his thing was he would advise his patients to um, focus on their diet and exercise first before he would prescribe them any psychotropic medications, which I thought was very responsible and ethical of him, by the way. However, what's interesting is he said many of his patients didn't take him seriously and did not follow through with this advice because, according to his words, it was too simple and it was free. Isn't this so true for most of us? That, you know, sometimes it, we complicate matters, right? And, you know, sometimes the, the answer is that simple and it's right under our nose. But for those of you whose mood and thought patterns seem to be more persistently negative or depressive, then that's when therapy might be really helpful. Laughter could be kind of this parallel thing you do on the side 
but you still may need to see somebody, um, a professional, to really help you with managing some of these real symptoms, especially if your symptoms are rising to the level where it's um, really impairing your functioning, affecting your life, and affecting the relationships you have with your loved ones. So if that is you or someone you know, um, you can contact us and we will be more than happy to do an assessment with you and help you if uh, you think we might be a good fit, okay? Uh, TranscendTherapyCA.com is our website. So we have a question here from Jimmy in La Mesa. He asks, when is laughter appropriate? And when is it not? Because I have been told that I can sometimes come across insensitive and unfeeling. I do not mean to hurt others' feelings, and I want to be more cognizant of the situation. I am usually just trying to help. Well, thank you for your question, Jimmy. The fact that you're asking tells me you're probably not as insensitive or unfeeling as you think. It can sometimes be tricky, I think, to to discern when it's appropriate to joke about something or make light of a situation. I think a good uh, rule of thumb is being aware of the other person's pain level. And if if you have a hard time discerning that, just look at the body language. You know, are they crying? Do they look visibly upset, right? Like think of it as like a continuum of pains. You can tell when you're really paying attention. You know, if if someone is mildly upset, moderately, or super duper severely upset, right? So watch for cues. Um, And, you know, even though you may not think it's really upsetting, that's not your experience. That's their experience. That's their perception of what's happening. So, um, for example, because I I don't really know the specifics of of your situation, Um, if your friend is really upset about a breakup, but then the person he or she with was really not a very good or healthy partner, and you and everyone else except him or her knows this is for the best, that may not be the time to crack a joke or make light of the situation. I think generally speaking, it would be best to save the joke and the playfulness for later when they've had a little bit more distance and healing and perspective from that situation. I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, timing. Timing is key. The other thing you can do is apologize, Jimmy. Once you realize that you did something like that or that you did it again, just own up to it, right? Maybe let them know you're working on it. Show empathy, show remorse. Hopefully that should help. And another thing to consider is perhaps looking at your own capacity to tolerate uncomfortable or unpleasant emotions. Because in my experience, a lot of times when people have this pattern of joking around all the time, that is also partly, you know, to help them manage their own discomfort. Because it's hard to see someone in pain or distress or sad and, you know, you don't, you know, most people just don't know what to do with that. So just something to think about, right? Are you using humor or jokes to cope with your own anxieties or discomfort? And if this is sometimes the case for you, 
there are little tricks that you can you can say to kind of help that situation. You can say things like, I'm sorry you're going through this, or I'm sorry you're hurting. It's also okay to say, I don't really know what to say. It's okay to say that. I don't really know what to do, but please know I'm here to help you, right? I don't really know what to say, but I'd like to know how I can support you, or I want you to know I'm here for you. Just tell me how I can help. So, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. That's part of, I think, why people get so uncomfortable supporting somebody is because they think they always know what to do or what to say. No, you could just uh, admit that or share that and partner with that person in figuring out how to help them best. And usually that person will give you an indication of what they need. Um, Sometimes you just need to listen. You don't need to do anything per se. You just need to validate, right? Like, oh, I'm yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's that's really sad. That's really awful. Things like that um, can be very, very uh, validating and supportive. Um, so I hope this helps you, Jimmy, without really, you know, like I said, fully knowing the specifics of your situation. I do appreciate you contacting us with that question, though. And by the way, guys, on that note, if you have any questions, um, mental health related or there's current events going on that you're impacted by, you can email us, uh, transcendtherapy at gmail.com, and I would be happy to answer those questions in, either on the show or email you back uh, with a brief answer or you know give you resources and so forth, okay? So um, if this issue persists for you, Jimmy, call us. We can help you unpack the why, the what, the how, Um, maybe help you improve your relationship with others if this continues to be a problem and just help you gain further insight into what it is really that's happening with you of why you uh, might have a pattern of of doing this. Okay? Thank you. (laughs) All right, everyone. We have reached our... Inspiration Corner. I always look forward to this part of the show because I think it's just really cool to be able to showcase real life stories of real people, um, their struggles and how they overcome, how they've overcame and how they continue to overcome. And by the way, you guys, I promise to have some music for this segment. And I delivered. I love that beat. Courtesy of my nephew. Because remember, if you don't have the budget to be to be getting music from artists out there. So that music is courtesy of my nephew, Tech Music Productions. Yay. So a client story I'd like to showcase today. There's a couple. But the first one is that of a recently separated former Navy young female who is currently undergoing a divorce, unfortunately. Um, She ended up deciding to leave her uh, marriage um, because of relationship abuse. So good for her for doing that because, you know, that's not an easy feat. And for some of you who remember my talk on that, statistically they say it takes about seven times to leave. This woman took one time. 
So pretty remarkable. In addition to that, she also has a history of developmental trauma. What we mean by that is abuse and neglect that occurs, you know, during childhood. She's a resilient, tough, funny, fun woman intent on not seeing herself as a victim, very kind, very generous. And really her energy, her fun energy stands out. Her capacity for laughter, her healthy sense of humor, I really believe are protective factors, okay? As a result, she is bouncing back from all of these adversities in less time than is usually the case with far less distortions and complications. By distortions, when I use that word, that means um, cognitive errors. That means faulty thinking, right? So someone in her case, you know, could easily fall into the trap of thinking, you know, there's something wrong with me. Um, I'm never going to find love. Uh, The world sucks. Whatever the story is, it's easy to fall into that false black and white thinking when you're in a lot of pain and when you feel like life isn't being fair to you. But she really has very only mild uh, versions of that. And when she recognizes it, we're easily able to get her out of that. Um, And she's just coping very well overall. She's not out of the woods, right? Like many of us um, who've done the work, you know, it takes time. It's a process. But as far as how she's processing the divorce, uh, she's doing really, really well in that area. There are times when she uses humor to distract, right, to distract from our work, uh, to distract and avoid feeling unpleasant feelings. But she knows this about herself. And when I call her on it, we both end up having a good laugh. It's really sweet, actually. And then we end up having or sharing this, you know, um, authentic moment in therapy, which is therapeutic. Um, Laughter, in a way, helps us keep the sessions real, you know, keep it real. There's a reason that that saying is so popular. We can all relate to that. And we all know how, how good that feels when someone keeps it real. So we have that kind of relationship in session. Does she still struggle with anxieties about her future? Yes. Does she still sometimes have depressive limiting beliefs? Yes. But they are getting to be far less frequent. And when she has those moments, they just, you know, like I mentioned before, don't seem to stick around for too long. She can unstuck herself a lot quicker using the tools she's learned in therapy and just because of uh, all her other uh, personal strengths that already existed prior. Her naturally sunny disposition and sense of humor are just tremendous facilitators of healing and growth for her. So she, she is really an inspiration. Um, another client that comes to mind is a gentleman in his 50s Oh, man, this guy is so awesome. He's, he's a fine gentleman, kind, caring, loving. He um, gives back to his community so much. He's a great leader in his field. But unfortunately, as you might ask, well, if he's all that, why is he in therapy? Well, 
which also is a stereotype, by the way. That's that's a myth that just because you've had this great life, you you can't be in therapy. No, because life can still happen to you, um, regardless of the foundation you were given. You know, if you live long enough, you're gonna experience something, some tragedy, loss, or just something you deem painful and hard, and that's why you're in therapy. There's no shame in that. But anyway, back to this gentleman. Um, Unfortunately for him, he's had his share of unmet needs growing up. His parents were not very attuned to his needs and, um, you know, pushed him really hard to the point of sometimes being super critical of him. That's probably why he's such a, uh, so successful in a way, because, you know, he had that drive very early on. But anyway, all of this stuff in his childhood led him on this path of attracting emotionally unavailable women in his life. Um, His parents tended to just focus on achievement and, you know, accomplishment and kind of forgot the emotional component of of his life. Um, So in addition to uh, going through a painful divorce, we went through that together, he ended up finding um, this uh, woman who... At first, it seemed like a really super healthy or much healthier relationship than his previous relationships. Because after the divorce, he, he he got together with another female, and she ended up being emotionally unavailable as well. And now this new person, um, you know, was a pa- uh, was a way that he broke the pattern because she was a lot more nurturing and available than the other women in his life. But unfortunately. Even healthy relationships can end. And so this relationship just ended. And then on top of that, he got laid off from this high executive, high paying job. He saw it coming, but, you know, it it happened. And so he's going through loss after loss after loss, right? And he still manages to laugh and smile and laugh with himself, not at himself. Sometimes we're just, you know, laughing for a couple of minutes in, in, in session, just about the absurdity of his situation. And the fact that he can do that, you know, um, is really remarkable. And I truly believe it's one of the things that help him bounce back because he could be severely depressed right now. A lot of people would have a hard time like getting out of bed and doing stuff. I mean, this guy's not letting anything drag him down. You know, I mean, um, he's not denying his feelings. He's not repressing them. He's processing them. And he's, you know, we're working on helping him uh, give himself permission more to feel some of the unpleasant feelings because sometimes, you know, the tendency is to use the humor to distract himself and not feel the pain. So, you know, he's working on that. But he really truly is able to take a step back from his own story most of the time, feel his feelings, not over-identify with them, like I talked about before. And he's able to be, you know, what we call the witness and the participant. What that means is He's able to feel his feelings and know that, you know, this this is what's happening to me right now. This is my life right now. But he can also step outside of his own frame and see himself from the outside. So that's what we call dual attention, by the way, guys, which is critical to healing, recovery, and growth. 
And his sense of humor is really one of the key things that allow for that dual attention. And that's already something he, you know, that was part of his personality when he came in. And when I noticed that, I just tried to uh, enhance that in session and use that positively in session to, again, help him move through this, you know, unfortunate set of circumstances uh, with less damage to his self-esteem. So the other thing that um, I wanted to spend a few minutes on is um, this this idea that a friend of mine brought to my attention because I was telling him about what I wanted to talk about today. And he, you know, started asking me about this idea of false happiness. And basically what he's saying is, is that he knows a lot of people who, especially on social media, will portray how much fun they're having, right? Maybe like big smiling faces, laughing, having a great old time. And then, you know, some of the some of them he knows are really going through a rough time and not really as happy as they portray themselves to be on social media. So he wanted to know like what is that what is that say about their mental health, which I thought was very interesting and fascinating because we all know that. I think we all know those people. Sometimes, you know, you might even do it yourself, right? Um, And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not here to judge. I'm not saying, oh God, you know, if you do that, something's wrong with you. But really it's just about having an awareness of why you're doing that and what, first of all, Social media is a whole new topic. I'm going to talk about that, that baby, that beast, <laughs> um, in, in like very, very soon. But, um, you know, social media is not the best setting to be really focused, uh, processing your emotions on. I know a lot of us, you know, uh, post here and there, and oftentimes they're the, the, the really good parts of our lives. But, you know, if it's, if it's not excessive, my personal opinion on that is fine. You know, it's, it's probably not doing a whole lot of harm. But if it is something that you find yourself doing a lot, um, it might be helpful to really uh, to talk to a therapist about it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a therapist and, you know, um, I'm being biased. But it really is. I, I say that because there's usually reasons why you feel the need to do that. And my suspicion is it's probably not helping, right? It's probably helping kind of like a Band-Aid approach for, for a few moments, but you're not really treating the source of unhappiness. And also, the more people need to do that, the more it can indicate that they're really trying to cover or uh, compensate for feelings of inadequacy, feelings of unworthiness. And it's, you know, it could be just attention seeking. I'm sorry to say, there's a lot of that going on in the media, that false social media, false happiness, as my friend uh, coined it, which I thought was very appropriate, right? There's a lot of that falsity going on, that uh, attention seeking. 
Um, and that's not the, 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 the laughter, the, the, that's not what I'm talking about here. That's not an appropriate use of laughter or joking around. Again, if it's just, you know, for fun, fine. But if it's a, a pattern and deep down inside, you know, you're really struggling, you're not going to find the answer out there, right? Our life truly changes from the inside out. So really give yourself the gift of therapy if you don't have anybody to talk to about your issues or your struggles. And it's really not as bad as you think. You're literally coming to an office just talking. And if that person's a good fit, you're going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel, uh, your guard's going to gonna drop. It's, it's not going to be this like weird experience. Um, so that's all I want to say about that. So laughter can be disarming. It can make us feel less defended, right, against each other and against ourselves. It, I believe, it makes our heart softer. It helps us let go of the armor that we all carry around because in that moment of laughter with somebody, we're reminded of our humanness, of our true nature, perhaps maybe even our oneness. Another client that comes to mind is um, an older female client, and her case is actually the opposite. She laughs too much. Like, I, I have to stay focused in session because I, if I'm not, I can get easily carried away with the jokes and because she's very good at it. Um, and I end up like sometimes getting lost and, you know, have to be like, okay, focus. What are we really here for? She's that good. Um, but, you know, the ups and she, you know, we have this, this banter and we have this uh, relationship where, again, like the other client, I can call her on it and she can redirect and focus. But um, she has this ability to talk to her loved ones, because a lot of the stuff we're working on is family issues. And when she first started, she really didn't have a voice. She didn't know she could talk about her needs. She didn't know she could say, ouch, when something hurt, right? So that's, that was the work that we did, is to just first allow her to have her feelings and then give her permission to actually negotiate her needs. Um, and now that she's there, what she found was using laughter and lightheartedness when she's talking to her loved ones about what's going on has been really effective. And she discovered that for herself. And it makes sense because that's her personality. So when she, um, and she has this tendency to talk in third person, which I think is really interesting, but it works, right? It disarms her, her significant others. And you know, especially her relationship with her daughter. Her daughter is very, um, oh, what's the word? Easily dysregulated. She's got some things going on, the daughter. And so she can be hypersensitive to any criticism or perceived criticism because so, sometimes she's just giving her like feedback and, you know, the daughter can easily get upset. So she started um, using this third person approach with her and it has really, really helped her relationship with the daughter. And the daughter is now, you know, able to um, hear mom without being super defensive. And mom uses 
the this third third uh, person strategy, but also just a lot of humor. And at the end, you know, they just end up having a good laugh sometimes. So that's the power it can have when you know how to use it appropriately, when your timing is, is um, you know, appropriate. But if all else fails, right, you can just, you know, laugh. Laugh with yourself, not at yourself. Because really, a lot of times, the, the struggle that we think is real is being perpetuated by the stories and narratives we're telling ourselves about the situation or about that person or about, about your own self. It's just, you know, in, in, um, in my own practice with, for my own mental health, there's a, a statement that I say to myself, and it is real but not true. And this is a mindfulness-based practice, by the way. Um, real but not true. And I learned that from one of my favorite humans, Tara Brock. She's a psychologist and Buddhist teacher. But it's such a powerful way to just remind ourselves that we're, you know, when we're having all of these intense emotions, oftentimes it's because we falsely identified with a feeling, with a story that we have. And when you take a step back, you can recognize that the feeling is real, but the story isn't true. Real but not true. If there's anything I want you guys to take away from today is that laughter is wonderful and real but not true. Those words. And laughter can really help us get to that place a lot quicker, right? Because it instantly relaxes us. It gives us access to that part of our brain that is calm, creative, and that, that break can allow you to separate from your thoughts. So humor and laughter can be cultivated, right? It's available to us all the time. And if you're not that kind of person, you might be thinking, well, you know, that's not my personality. This is who I am. That's fine. I'm not saying fake it. What I'm saying is seek it. Seek it, experience it the way that it looks to you. And you might just end up having unexpected fun. And it's simple and it's free. Final words, guys. Laughter is humanizing. It's neutralizing. It's a powerful equalizer, right? It affects, its effects are universal. It transcends culture, race, class, social strata, gender, sexual orientation, political beliefs, and so forth. I believe laughter is the dance. Sorry, laughter. I, 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 um, I came to this statement and I thought it was so powerful. I believe that laughter is the music of our dance to belonging and acceptance. Right? Laughter is the music of our dance to belonging and acceptance. So go ahead. Laugh it off. Be silly. Be goofy. Giggle. Be playful. Just because and or for no reason at all whatsoever, because you might just have some fun. So thank you for being with me this hour. Um, and next week, we will be talking about a not-so-funny episode on teen suicide, but a much-needed conversation to be had, and I'll be bringing in a guest who specializes in working with teens. So um, stand by for that. 
But thank you for being with me this hour. Check out our podcast, Get Mental. Um, You can find that on Spotify, Anchor, or iTunes. And also, if you'd like to become a sponsor or make a contribution or get more information about our practice, um, you can visit our website at transcendtherapyca.com, transcendtherapyca.com, or email us at transcendtherapy uh, at gmail.com. Once again, you guys, thank you so much. This is Cecile Ahrens. Laugh out loud, be well, and be gentle.